Before we start, this episode contains some chat you might find difficult to hear, so do check the show notes for more details. Hello and welcome to Happy Place, the show that encourages gorgeous human connection. Today I'm chatting to Ian Redpath and Jeremy Chopra. They're the men you might know better as TFLs all on the board. One of the things that that we noticed with those boards, there's boards all over the network, but people tend to ignore them. But then they don't ignore the things that we put on them, and I think it's because they realise that, one, it's handwritten, so it's by a person. It's a person there. And then when they take note of that, then they read it, and then they read the words that we're putting on there, which is about connecting. It's about connecting with themselves and what they're going through and what we go through and so on. And then they realise, oh, there's someone here who's written that, and, and they go with it. And that whole connection thing happens. In 2017, poems and little messages of hope and support started appearing on whiteboards at London's underground tube stations. They got posted on social media and the words resonated with so many people that their Instagram account, all on the board, now has over a million followers. A couple of years ago, Ian and Jeremy, two customer service assistants for TFL, revealed themselves as the amazing creatives behind the writing. And it was the biggest privilege to get to chat with them about their own mental health when they came round to mine at the end of last year. They've been through a lot. Between them, PTSD, social anxiety, insomnia, panic attacks, imposter syndrome. And I do think that's why their poems have touched so many people, because you can just tell they're coming from a place of real understanding and empathy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, let's do it. Here's the show. on the board hello Hi. Fern. thank you for having us thanks for having us oh ian and jeremy it's so lovely to have you here and do you know how chuffed i am that you've worn your actual uniforms uh, we we've done it just for you just for you yeah, yeah. i'm so grateful <laughs> we're going to take an award-winning photo a bit later on oh amazing I, i'm so glad to have you here obviously we met earlier on in the year at the happy place festival although we've been sort of messaging each other for quite a long time now actually but you spread so much joy and happiness at the happy place festival so thank you for being there first of all oh well thank you that means the world to hear that honestly you, your kind words mean everything and thanks for inviting us to the happy place festival we genuinely felt happy at yeah that. no i mean we were nervous when we arrived we had that little uh, poetry to to read poems at and we we're like we've never done this before <laughs> and the whole social anxiety thing started to go and we're like we've got no time now because we're going up 
now and we went up and then you said something to the crowd you told them about my social anxiety and I did, no yeah. one, they were the loveliest people yeah yeah i don't know you know i don't know if, if they're just like that all the time which they probably are but also i think the vibe of that festival just made everyone just be really supportive and they were clapping us and they were they were you know whooping us as well and yeah and, they were lovely and, and i've never wanted to hug anyone so badly mm. literally every person that we came across across just wanted to hug them you know yeah. and, and like we were saying jeremy's got social anxiety and then suddenly we find ourselves reading poetry out loud first time that we've ever done it by a tree and just all these like lovely people around like that's yeah. such a brilliant idea by the way yeah poet amazing tree. the poet yeah. tree i can't take credit for that it was someone on my team but eunice still, who came oh, up with that eunice, and it was like well done. Oh, eunice that's such a good idea and it's yeah. a beautiful tree it in is, the grounds of chiswick park but you're so right i think the the lovely community that come to the festival really want to sort of learn and try new things but also there are many people that turn up with social anxiety and we're quite mindful of that at the festival that we don't oversell tickets so it's super crowded we want there to be room and space for people to walk around and for there to be little areas corners where people can take themselves away from the larger crowds and go oh I just need a minute Mm. on my own so I think it must have felt I'm sure because I deal with the same thing quite often quite relieving saying that out loud to a crowd and it being met with yeah, I hear you. Like, I see you. It I was, get it. Yeah, it, it blew my mind in that, it, instantly. I was like, oh, wow, they, they're they with this. They're, they're cool about it. That's brilliant. Um, let's go on. And we kept on reading and reading. And then, you know what? I think we went into the next guy's time a little bit. But he was standing there and he was enjoying it. He was like, no, no, you guys keep going. <laughs> Actually, You're like, we're never coming up, we're going to stay. Yeah, yeah, it got to that point. Do you know what? It? it felt a bit like karaoke towards the end. You know yeah. what I mean? You know when you've got that particular singer that doesn't want to get off and they put their name down for everything? But oh, it was just wonderful Honestly, feeling. Thank, yeah. thank you so much for, yeah. yeah. That was really that was really kind of you to invite us and, and yeah, we had a blast. Well, I'm so glad to have you here as well for the podcast because you've got your new book, Your Daily Companion, which not only looks gorgeous and beautiful, colourful pages, but it's full of all of these wonderful poems and boards, but new exclusive writing that you've done for the book as well and some more of your own personal stories that you've written about, which is so helpful. But before we get into that, let's just go right back to the start for people that don't know about your beautiful work. So... Your two customer service assistants working in Transport for London, and it was 2017 you started to write up these poems. And it started in the context of gigs happening around London, and you would write a a poem about the person who was playing at, say, the O2 or wherever it might be. Whose idea was it? How was that idea established? And and how has it evolved? Because it seems very natural evolution from from that place. Do you know what? It was a natural evolution. It was like uh, myself and Jeremy's. uh, uh, There's uh, uh, people coming past for the Craig David concert. And we was kind of going through all the Craig David songs that we knew. And then we kind of started singing them badly to one another. (laughs) You know, we're not Craig David, are we? Yeah, seven days walking away and stuff. And then we composed a little poem. And it was like... Uh, it was a poem kind of giving directions to the O2 and, you know, and then, you know, it was, I mean, we, like there was a, there was a board in the middle of the ticket hall that just said, keep right. I mean, people don't need to be told to keep right. No. What they need is a Craig David poem telling them how to get to the O2 Correct. with the song titles in Correct. there. So, um, so we kind of wiped the uh, keep right off the board and uh, we was a bit hesitant at first about putting on the yeah, the poem thinking, the oh, maybe, yeah, maybe we get in trouble for it. But you know I mean? Why, why not? You know, Why so, not? Thank yeah. God you did. Cause look what you've started. You know, this, well, yeah. this snowball effect of, you know, that one moment thinking, shall we do this? Shall we not? And yeah. that one decision has changed the course of your 
lives completely. And you've it has, yeah. and you've helped so many people. And what I love about what you do is you've made traveling on the underground a happier place. You know, I think a lot of people, and you write about this in your book, don't like traveling on the trains because they're either you know, uh, prone to panic attacks or it's just a stressful part of the day. They might be late, just simple things, rushing. And I think also when I think about when I was a teenager and I grew up in the suburbs, so I was on the tube all the time coming into town and we didn't have mobile phones then. So you would sit, you might read, but actually you might clock eyes with someone and start randomly chatting. And today we've all got these, like, we create these little cocoons of headphones, maybe sunglasses, a hood, your phone, and you that connection's lost. And I think what you're doing, and I don't know if this is, you know, part of why you're doing it, is to sort of reinstate that we're all human, we're all, you know, trying to do our best and struggling on any given day, but let's just all connect on a very human level. And you've done that through the power of writing. It's beautiful. Yeah, and no, absolutely. We, we, you know, one of the things that, that we notice with those boards, this boards all over the network, but people tend to ignore them. But then they don't ignore the things that we put on them. And I think it's because they realise that, one, it's handwritten, so it's by a person. It's a person there. And then when they take note of that, then they read it, and then they read the words that we're putting on there, which is about connecting. It's about connecting with themselves and what they're going through and what we go through and so on. And then they realise, oh, there's someone here who's written that, and, and they go go with it. And that whole connection thing happens. We, we got to this one point where we were doing magic tricks on the boards. We would write down a, a magic trick and then say, uh, go to a member of staff and tell them the answer. And then they will tell you something about you. And um, and we started doing things just to get people to kind of come over and speak so nice. with staff in a different way. And um, we might do that again, actually. Oh, yeah. I do that again. I love yeah. that. I love uh, that. We had some good magic tricks. We run out of magic tricks. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we had some good ones. We, had some we? Really yeah. good ones. we need to call Stephen really Mulhern and get a few more up your sleeve. He's and then fantastic. We can, yeah, we can yeah, get some yeah. more for you. We'll get some more tricks. So I think that is lovely. And it, I think especially when you work in any sort of customer service job, not everybody, but certain people completely dehumanise you and will let off all of their anger and aggression to you and talk to you in a very curt, blunt way. And again, you've changed that. You're like, I'm a human. Here's mm. what I'm going through. And I'm going to connect with you through words which will resonate with what you're going through. And it just, again, it just totally, it's like a ripple effect of everyone just going, oh, yeah, we're all human. We're all trying our best. It's not this person's fault that that turnstile's not working or I don't know why that train's not on or whatever. It's just bringing like the very human level to like a very hectic part of the day, I think. Yeah, I mean, again, with the Happy Place Festival, because it was like a community and bringing people together. And we kind of like, you know, anyone that uses a tube, like you said, everyone's in their own cocoons on the phone, like, you know, just in their own little worlds. And it was kind of like, you know, it's it's the busiest place, you know, it's one of the busiest places in the world. And yeah. It feels like the loneliest place at times. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're all on your separate journeys and that. And we kind of like the idea of, People showing up at station, they've all come on their separate journeys and then they kind of gather around a board and you know, critique it or laugh at it or take selfies with it and then they ask one another to take photos of one another. It was kind of like bringing people together at the end of the journey and kind of making them smile. And I mean, we can't lie, we get a buzz from that, just seeing people sort of just smiling and being happy and kind of it like fuels us on to do more, you know. And your words have resonated because you have channeled everything that you've been through personally into these poems or pieces that you're putting on the boards. It's not just about gigs these days. You do talk about all manner of things and mental health and physical health. Did you initially bond as friends 
over that? Did you sort of connect on a personal level of sharing your own stories? You know what? Our, our manager originally put us together. She she saw that we had this kind of like creativity about each of us. We hadn't worked with each other yet. And then she kind of said, you guys should work together and do stuff together. And so she put put us on shifts together. And we started talking about things. We were originally, we were at that time, actually, we were we were trying to write a sitcom. We were coming up with this idea no for a sitcom. No way. Mm. Yeah, we come up with, I think, like 20 episodes. What we was it? What was the sitcom? It. We need to reinstate this. Well, we'll, 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 get, we'll definitely get there, but it's definitely unique. We, yeah, we can tell you afterwards. Right, okay. yeah. afterwards. Don't tempt fate. Because I think we'll get, we'll, we'll do it. Yeah, but, yeah. but we were just being creative in all these kind of ways. And of course, like in the middle of that conversation, came up with the Craig David poem. And I think we were just connecting with each other creatively. I think the in terms of mental health and invisible illnesses and all that, we didn't know any of that about each other at all. Really? Yeah, and it was um, it must be about was it about three or three or six months something like that after we started doing those boards of the the events that that um, we took the step to kind of write something more personal. I can't remember what the first one was. It was it, it, it possibly about one? anxiety attacks or panic anxiety attacks. That one or but might, might have been the Crohn's. I can't remember. Yeah, which one but, it was. but it's generally we, we kind of talk about our own conditions. You know, what I mean, we we don't want anyone to feel embarrassed to talk about mental health, or you know, you shouldn't have to be like be brave to come out. You know, what I mean, it should be just like you know, what I mean, we're all in it together yeah. and stuff. You know, and it's just kind of just to address it. You know, it's all right for boys and men to cry. It's all right for women to cry. It's all right to have a shoulder to cry and ask for help. And it's like you know, I've had counselling you know throughout my life for various things, and that, and we just kind of want to get in there you know just to you know smash the stigma and sort of break all the taboos and stuff and yeah we, we try our very best you know and conditions that like i remember we we wrote about endometriosis and like we did research on it and it, like how it came about it's like my wife um used to get really bad period pains and and it just like chronic really bad pains and it, like we kind of looked into it and sort of discovered this condition called endometriosis and it was like can't believe that people go through this and we yeah. kind of wanted to address it on the board and for despite looking like we're in our mid-twenties we're in our forties yeah <laughs> no for two, yeah I absolutely yeah. And, then, and then it just seems bonkers for two, two guys in their forties to be writing about endometriosis on a board but we kind of yeah just wanted to do it anyway yeah. you know and it, it kind of went down well yeah know? yeah well it connects with people and also it might have yeah, been a yeah. moment of discovery for someone who's not looked into that. Oh, I thought, yeah, oh, bloody hell, I might, yeah. you know, take a chance and, and look into it or go and seek professional help. And I think and, that's what it was. It, it, yeah. It's just like, just we wanted to kind of like, you know, make the invisible visible. You know, there's so many invisible illnesses and sort of like, you know, disabilities that can't be seen. And like, you know, sometimes when people like use a tube, you know, someone will look at a youngster sitting down on the seat, not wanting to give up their seat for another person. But who knows what they're going through? You yeah. Because I've got ulcerative colitis. Sometimes I get such bad fatigue that, you know, as much as I want to stand up for someone, I just physically can't. And just every step feels like a mile, you yeah. know. And so yeah, it's just a sort of... But obviously, know. like, if people communicated on the tube, for example, that, that whole yeah. stigma wouldn't exist because that person in there, if they felt comfortable to say it and you felt comfortable to ask and so on and so forth, that wouldn't even be a problem. So, you know, maybe we're trying to bridge still that kind of get people talking more, you know, get people to recognise the potential there to talk and so on and so forth. It's still going to be a bit of a trick for a lot of people, but, but you and know. you know what? Yeah. Like, and, and round about that time that we was writing, we don't know whether we influenced it or it was kind of like a perfect storm where people were thinking the same thing, but there started to be like uh, appearing on sort of train seats, like not, all disabilities mm. are visible mm. on seats, like for the priority seats. And it was kind of like, 
seem to happen at the same kind of time. So Yeah, uh, well, I think, you know, one thing, obviously, and we, we've touched on it very lightly, um, obviously, it's prevalent for people to experience anxiety attacks or panic attacks when they're in, in the underground on the tube because it might be due to claustrophobia or the amount of people that are there or it just triggers something in them. And obviously they manifest in very different ways. For some people, it would be very obvious they were having a panic attack. When I'm having one, nobody knows. It is completely internalised. My heart is racing, but no one can see it. My breathing is relatively normal. I'm, I can, can sort of control that bit, but the cognitive element is off the scale, my heart's racing, I'm hot, I feel like I'm going to faint. But if you were looking at me, it's like I'm sat here now. So I think, again, looking into that and the amount of people that are triggered by going on the underground. And like you said, you, you have to comfort people on a regular basis who are, who are yeah. dealing with that. How do you approach that? Because obviously that is something that takes a lot of care and understanding and empathy to deal with. And you're not doctors, you're not medical no. professionals, but <laughs> yeah. you are able to ease people's nerves and, yeah. and to help people in that way. I think I think it helps that kind of we, we know that it's it's not life-threatening. Yeah. So you, when you approach somebody and you just start talking to them about what they're going through, you know that um, you don't necessarily have to be a doctor or something like that. You just have to be there for them and just talk to them as long as you can and and time will do the rest you know just get them away from the situation and it works out when number of times we've had people like 20 30,000 people coming through in one go and yeah there's all this vibe and everyone's loving it and all that but not everyone does they'd have a panic attack in the corner and no one notices but we've noticed them gone over helped and you know 10 15 minutes later their eyes rain they can go go on you know and they're they're happy to do that and that's part of our job to be quite honest with you is is part of our job to help people in that way but yeah, not everyone can do it. Not everyone's going to yeah. go and do it either. You know, a lot of the time people are having panic attacks and they just have to figure it out for themselves, which is pretty sad, to be honest. It's nice to be able to do that. What a lovely someone. feeling for you guys, too, to know oh, that yeah, you've yeah. genuinely impacted someone's day yeah. or evening in, in such an important way. And there's an amazing story in the book, um, Ian, where you help mm. a little girl who oh, yeah. was terrified of getting on the escalators. Would you mind sharing a bit of that story with us? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, like, I've been working for the underground for like 21 years now and it still remains one of my favourite memories of the job. And, and what it was, I was working at Warren Street uh, Tube Station and then I noticed at the top of the escalator there was a, a man, a woman and a little girl and she was kind of just not wanting to get on that escalator and I kind of went over to them and then just said, oh, well, you know, what's the matter? And then they explained her story. They had, uh, they had adopted her. I don't know where she was from, but they just told me a, a, war t- a war-torn country and that she had just had, uh, like, prosthetic legs fitted. And uh, she wanted to use the tube, but she kind of felt panicked by the escalator. And, you know, um, and it was kind of using distractions. I, I kind of talked to the little girl and, like, she, she didn't understand much English. And then the first song that I could think of, I, I said to her, look, I'll, I'll sing you a song. And I sung the wheels on the bus go round and round. Uh, why I sung that, I don't know. I was in the tube station. I felt a bit, you know. But, uh, <laughs> and then um, she wanted more. So I finished singing and she demanded that I sing more. And I said, look, I will sing and I will sing a lot better if me and you get on the escalator together. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a fantastic singer. So she kind of agreed and she, you know, she stood up, she held the hand rail and I was like, just opposite her, kind of like just eye to eye. And then I, I sung the wheels on the bus go round and round. 
like Pavarotti, you know, customers <laughs> were kind of looking and that, but it, it was like, I could see the, the, the glee in the girl's yeah. face. And then when she got to the bottom, it was kind of like, you know, I said goodbye to him and it was just about to get on the train and she came running back and she, she kind of threw her arms around me and it was just, and then they left my life forever. But I mean, this so the girl would be in her mid twenties now. Wow. And maybe she just uses a tube all the time. And wow. uh, yeah, and it, it kind of just stuck with me and just, you know, like kindness and, distraction and uh, yeah it's um yeah so it's one of my favorite memories of working it's on the uh, underground story. and it's that it's just the power of human connection yeah, that yeah. it's so obvious to sort of talk about but i do think in this day and age we don't give it anywhere near enough attention mm. thought and you guys are just cultivating that and changing the culture of the tube due to your own work but also the boards and just getting people to connect it's just so powerful that you know you could have like you say changed that girl's experience of the tube yeah, forever absolutely. through yeah, just absolutely seeing someone and getting it and being there and it's just and kindness yeah kindness seems so absent sometimes yeah. and again yeah. i think what you guys do is just highlighting kindness like simple kindness be nice be nice to each other it's yeah so and, and you know what if people are nice to each other it certainly makes our job easier because yeah, of course. Uh, i mean like you got assaulted recently yeah. physically assaulted oh, um God, like, i got awful. um like you know i was so looking forward to it it was paul mccartney playing at the o2 and like we was mm. working together and uh and it was crowded downstairs for everyone's safety we had to hold people outside but some of the people didn't like being held outside for their safety. And then uh, someone headbutted me from behind. Oh, my God. And kind God. of run away. And it was like, you know, what? My beat, the yeah. Beatles are my favourite band ever. It's like, okay, Paul McCartney. And, been and, I, and I went into dad mode there. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah. All you the went into dad mode, yeah. Troop, I was like, right. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Jeremy. I but, love um, it. I was like, because I saw it yeah. straight on. I was like, what's he doing? He ran off as well. So I thought, uh, no, nah, this is a bit childish. But um, I mean, you know, we've both, you know, been assorted on, on a job. Many of our colleagues have. Um, it is unfortunate. It happens. But yeah, kindness, like you say, makes our job easier. Yeah. But also, it's one of the things that's kind of key to what we do. You know, be kind to each uh, to other people. Uh, love yourself and know that you're not alone. These kind of like three things that we always try and infuse in everything that we do. And, um, I, you know, I think if everyone did that in life anyway, things like that wouldn't happen. You know, like genuinely, we're closing the station in that moment to keep them from getting hurt and everyone yeah. else from getting hurt. I mean, it's insane when it's that busy. If you have to close, it's I really I can't busy. imagine controlling that many people. Yeah, it's you know, me it's, there's literally just like four of us to control 20,000 people. And it's like, this is what we got to do. But yeah, it was unfortunate. It was yeah, unfortunate. Because, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like you said, he's a massive Beatles fan. And it was Paul McCartney, and it's just like you've got the vibe going on. I still like, love Paul McCartney. Still, no, you know like, what I mean? Yeah, Paul yeah, 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 yeah. no, has no, no part yeah, in this yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> it's just unfortunate. But yeah, it is. Um, and how do your how does your social anxiety manifest in a job where you're with at times twenty thousand people? How do you yeah. navigate that? You know what? I've, uh, I've I've always wondered this, like how I'm doing that job. Yeah. <laughs> because I remember the first week that I um started and they do this training thing where they take a group of you around station the first station they took me to was victoria station and it was like during the peak and i was like this is men oh, i can't do this i can't do this but i was the only one who was in my head saying i can't do this and i was walking with them and i was like no, i've got to do this i've got a newborn baby i've got you know bills to pay all these kind of things i've got to do this i've got to do this and then i did it and i kind of like because i got through it it's that whole mantra of you know you've got through all your worst days before so you'll get through this one and it's always in my head that I'm each day that I'm working, I'm going to get through this. I've worked all over the network. We've both worked at over 120 stations between us because we work all over the network. And yet 
when I go to a different station each time, I've still got that feeling in me like, oh, no, I'm going to, I haven't been there in a while. It's going to be all, you know. Um, and then you just get your breathing controlled, you know, you um, you visualize the good side of things and then you have to just turn up and then it turns out okay, everything goes all right. You know, everything you think is going to go bad doesn't actually happen. Yeah. And I mean, I used to, I used to be a filmmaker once upon a time before I came to the underground and crazy imaginations was my thing and I think that was kind of working against me when I first came to the underground like oh, what if James Bond comes sliding down there and he's you know getting chased by a machine gun we people we could only and, hope you know, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. none of it happens I mean you know we worked in the stations where they filmed it but that's about it you know it's very much how my brain works like I'm, I'm nodding along going oh god because my if I feel um a bit vulnerable or nervous my overactive imagination which serves me brilliantly if I'm like writing or doing a creative project is my worst enemy because I think of the most ridiculous catastrophic outcome and like you say it rarely like probably never has happened in that way but you've you end up having to sort of retrain your brain to go nope and pull it back from that place and it's really brilliant that you're I guess sort of facing your fear daily you know that is it's quite a head-on facing your fear every day well I I mean I because what you're saying there is absolutely true. That's what I do. Yeah. But then I had, like Ian said, I got sorted recently. It was like early on in the year, just as we're trying to finish this book of all times. Got sorted at work and had to go off. And I had this kind of really bad moment where basically I had been kind of making warnings about the potential for that exact scenario happening in advance. Um, and then it happened to me and I was like, wait, all this kind of me telling myself that none of those things are ever going to happen has just happened mm. and I was going through this through my head all the time and we're trying to finish the book we've got deadlines and I was like there must be something I can do to get out of this so we kind of like between us kind of just channeled things into the book so there's parts of the book that you know are kind of about that as well you know getting through even when you've got a, a resistance to things that you've created with your own mantras and so on and so forth and then that gets broken down yeah how you then come back from that you know mm. um so yeah, we tried to cover so many things in this book it's like the first book was was great but this one here we thought you know we're never going to make another book again let's throw it all in let's throw it on because there's going to be people who are going to go through all kinds of things and are going through all kinds of things let's see if we can you know figure it all out yeah put it all in there so you know yeah it's brilliant i think you know it's again important to sort of talk about that you know your worst your worst nightmare or the worst case scenario actually happening and and how do you pick yourself up and put your mm. uniform back on and get back to work and and do your job and i guess you like most things you have to keep it in the day just today is a new day and we'll get to the end of the day and see how it is and you can't really project that far ahead or wonder if it's going to yeah. happen again or whatever because you drive yourself absolutely mad and it's just a daily a daily thing, isn't it? I guess with anxiety. Nice. Yeah, you know, you know. I mean, like yeah. you change your whole life. You change your whole. Yeah. You create happy yeah. place out of it. So yeah. that's what we do. We try and channel those things and find something good that can come from it. You know, whether it's good for us or good for other people. But generally, we write just because it helps our anxieties. It helps our mental health. It helps you know get our minds in the right way. And it seems to resonate people and help them out as well. So it's a beautiful silver lining to all the shit stuff that you've got to go through mentally and physically and it's and it's helping so many other people hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And another thing that you cover in the book mm. is PTSD, which, mm. Ian, you've talked about yeah, having been yeah. a train driver. Yeah, absolutely. And had yeah. a, a devastating scenario yeah. occur where somebody jumped in front of a train, which is obviously sadly prevalent in that line of work. Yeah, yeah. And it's something that you've had to address in this new line of work, being in the same environment, but in a different job. How has your PTSD manifested and, and how do you cope with it? Do you know what? So, again, the time that it happened, so it was uh, January 2008 and it was, uh, I was driving on the Victoria line and then, like, literally it was a Sunday night, it wasn't busy at all. And, uh, and and funny enough, I wasn't supposed to be working that shift. I'd come in a day early and they said, oh, why are you here? You might as well do a shift sort of thing. I've got my days off mixed up. And then, yeah, just coming into Pimlico, I could see the platform. And there was no one on the platform. And then just, just out of nowhere, this like uh, young girl just jumped in front of the train. And it, it was weird. It was like, um, it, it just felt like I'd seen an alien or a ghost. You know, it's uh, like I reacted fast enough, but it was, it was something that you kind of know might happen, but you don't expect to see. And it was like, I was trying to look away. And then just right at the last second, our eyes met and she smiled and then it kind of stuck with me for years and years. And then like I was scared of the dark. So obviously, like, my post-traumatic stress sort of came from that. I had had uh, anxiety attacks as a teenager, and they kind of went away. And then they just sort of came back more so. And it's just any time that I would hear, you know, stories of a one under certain sounds, uh, you know, it just – I remember I'd, I'd be in the front of a car. I don't drive myself, but any time that I was in a passenger seat – you know, if someone, uh, do you know what I mean? I was, I was scared to be in a passenger seat and like people walking along the pavement of just kind of looking at them just in case they jumped out and stuff. And um, I did go back to driving trains for a while, but like you were saying with anxiety attacks, you know, no one knows that you're actually having them. And I was having anxiety attacks with 800 people on the back of my train in the darkness of a tunnel, just believing that I was going to die. And then I was kind of like, like you said, worst case scenarios, you kind of jump steps ahead. So I was at the front of a train with 800 people on the back during the peak and then thinking, is someone going to jump out at the next station? Am I going to die? Am I going to die in this tunnel? Are there going to be people stuck on the back of the train? And then I'll jump ahead. It's like, so if I die, I'm going to ruin my family's life. My wife's going to be homeless. Won't be able to do this. Will anyone turn up at my funeral? I'm not that popular. And it's like, my God, what's happening? You know, and it's kind of like, so again, using like creativity as distraction, you know, just writing poems, writing stories, just anything, you know, just creating your own little world of just like, you know, that you can take yourself, you know. But subsequently, I mean, this happened quite recently, didn't it? Yeah, it's, um, so I believe that the girl had died and she got in touch with us, which was, so Jeremy warned me, he said, look, this girl was sent um, an email. So I, like, literally, so I've gone through 10 years of my life, sort of like, um, just like living with guilt anger you know like my train driver career was over and stuff and then she sent us an email didn't she and jeremy just said look don't read the email and i said mate i can't you know because i remember at the time during counseling i was just under the impression that she was dead and you know it's just you know i just felt all these emotions and then then i felt more emotions finding out that she had lived because i felt like a fraud and I, i kind of felt like 
I'd gone through all these emotions for what, you know, all these feelings. I'd, you know, because at the time I, I, I was going mad. I, I would literally, my mental health was going mad. And then people were saying, look, if you leave trains behind, you earn all this money, you'd be mad to leave all this money behind. And it was like, I would choose my mental health over money yeah. any old day. Yeah. And it was kind of like, so it was just just all over the place and then when I found out that it's like you know I remember during counselling I remember a counsellor saying to me "Eh, in theory if you could meet this girl uh, you'd be in the same room what would you do with her like this before I found out and and I honestly couldn't say whether I'd hug her or whether I'd I'd hit her and and that's me being honest and so do you know what I mean I I can I, I forgive what she's done but I can never forget it because it, it took so long to forgive myself for the things that I was going through, you know? Um, so, oh, so yeah. So, um, but yeah, still I'm, I'm a sort of very jumpy person at situations, but it's got better, you know, cause there was times when I literally, when I was going through it, I'd be, you know, I'd, I'd be walking along a tube platform and then, you know, when you get these intrusive thoughts, yeah. yeah. And I would never do anything to myself, but I'd get these intrusive thoughts saying, Oh, you know, you had someone jump in front of your train. Why don't you jump in front of a train? And I'm like, where's that voice coming from? And then it, it was kind of like being scared of this sort of voice. But then, like over time, I realised, no, hold on, this is my brain, and this voice is is mine. You know, say so it was kind of like uh, just telling it to shut up, quiet down. You know, jump on board, like get creative with me, or, or you know, just go away. So. Yeah. Yeah, just um, but yeah, anxiety attacks, PTSD. Yeah, yeah we and and we just thought, you know, we're right about that. Someone out there may not have had similar circumstance, but maybe going through something similar. And um, just to tell people, you know, you're not alone, and you know, just there, there is, you know, and and anyone that feels like ending it all, there is always another way. There's always going to be a better day, a brighter day. Just just hold on, you know what I mean? There is help out there. There are people that you can talk to as yeah. long as you feel, you know? Yeah. Because um, it is, I think, with all of that going on with PTSD, yeah, it's yeah. such a lonely place. Oh, and yeah, yeah. I think intrusive thoughts are, like, one of the worst. I certainly had that with my PTSD yeah. and trying to make sense of things that had happened in my life. And... You don't want to tell anyone because you feel like you're going mad, like you said. Mm. You feel embarrassed. I, I felt a lot of shame. And I haven't had them for a while. But if I find myself getting near anxiety or there being something that's quite triggering, that is... The, but I had it so acutely at one point where I thought... And you're trying to sort of like... Oh, it's so hard to explain. I was trying to sort of physically get... Mine was quite imagery-led. I was like trying to get it out of my head. And I didn't know how, like physically shaking my head or like how do I get it out and I think actually the way is is sort of admitting it because then if especially if someone else understands it or is even willing to listen yeah yeah and you go oh this isn't such a (coughs) ridiculously freakish or unusual thing to happen it's a very it's unbelievably common you know all of these things that we're talking about anxiety attacks social anxiety intrusive thoughts whether it manifests as OCD, whatever it is, it's unbelievably common, but we're led to think it's not because the conversation still isn't... We're all trying to do our bit and get it out there, but there's still a long way to go to have these conversations totally normalised where we could talk to our next-door neighbour, the person that works in the coffee shop, whatever, and have that level of humanness and and talk about it. So I think it's just so brilliant what you guys are doing and, on and this you level know, like you said it, like it's, it's so good to talk you know what i mean yeah. it's just talk about what you're going through because I, I got to the point where i was talking i was talking i was talking and then in the end it's like 
you know, I'm boring myself. You know, mm -hmm. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. You know, and I just felt in a better place and like let's crack on with it. You know, yeah. Uh, and like you know, it's just yeah, talking to one another. If you, if you're gonna ask someone how they are, and they say oh, I'm all right, just ask them a second time. You know what I mean? Just like if you're taking the time out to ask how they are, just take the time to listen. You know, just mm. um, you know, because the second answer might be very different to yeah, I'm doing all right. You know, mustn't grumble and all that. You know, yeah, and especially yeah. I guess with um. With people you don't know, like with with your job, but also people using the tube. Again, in this day and age, we're sort of freaked out when someone starts talking to us. Probably more so in London. I know whenever I go and stay, like I'm in love with Dorset, and whenever I go there, people, you know, it's the cliche. People are more willing to go morning or whatever yeah. if you're just walking down <laughs> the street, or you get chatting to someone with more ease. Whereas in London, it's head down, phone out. I'm in a rush. I'm serious. I'm not talking to anyone and. People were sort of unnerved if you did say sort of, are you okay? Like if someone looked distressed, are you okay? What is the reaction if if you've approached someone to check if they're all right? Are people sort of unnerved by it normally? Well, I like talking about what we, is another somber kind of story here. I, I was only about a year into the job at the time, King's Cross Station. It was completely rammed. Um, there was just me and one other member of staff. And um, you know what? I think you, you, we learned this on the job. Amongst crowds, we start to sense things that happen because you're seeing people all the time go in like flocks and go out as flocks and then you see someone individual in there that doesn't quite seem right and there was a lady who was just doing almost like circles in there and I just went over to her and said are you okay and then she was like yeah yeah but she wasn't really looking at me she was kind of like looking around like you know planning something so I said to her stopped her again and I kind of looked straight in her eyes and said, are you are you okay for the second time as you say and then she just stopped looked at me and stared at me and said no actually I'm not and then I was like okay um can i help you know and to cut a long story short you know 45 minutes later i was still with her um she had been planning you know to suicide basically and um looking at how she could do it and it was like i couldn't believe like, after 45 minutes i had you know spoke to this lady the police came along she wouldn't let go of me at that point now she was holding on to my arm um having told me all about how her family had disowned her and she had no one and she didn't trust anyone and so on and so forth. And somehow I'd created this kind of bond with her. And um, yeah, I mean, as far as I know, you know, she went to, they took her away to get help and so on. And, <sighs> and hopefully, you know, she, she en ended up in a better place and she was certainly going to end up that day. But like you say, you got, you've got to be willing to kind of break yeah. through. Yeah. Um, I think if we're all willing to break through, the other person's going to kind of recognize that. If it's just like a fleeting, like you are, you know, not really fussed. We can tell when someone's not really bothered about the question yeah. they're asking us, you know. So I feel like, you know, if you if you care about other people, you're going to ask the question in the right way at the right time and good things will happen, you know, so. Yeah, so true. It just takes that bit more effort, bit of courage, because it's quite a nerve-wracking yeah. thing as the person approaching that stranger to check if they're okay. You know, you have to kind of get some steel confidence yourself to to approach them. But, I mean, that's unbelievably worthwhile. You're saving yeah. a life by, yeah. by doing it. And it's... Well, same station, like, about a week or two later, I had same another situation exactly the same on another part of the station as well. And I was just like, gosh, this can't be the job for the next, you know, 20 years yeah. of my life, right? Like, this is, like, a few weeks in, in a row, the same kind of thing happening. What's going on, you know? Um... I think that kind of helped fuel when we're doing things. Like it gives us fuel like, oh, you know, we can't always be there. We're just individuals. What can we do to kind of like 
get other people to be willing to do the same. Yeah, amplify what you're doing. Yeah, you know, because there's a lot of people walking past. They're not noticing that individual. How did they not notice that? But like I say, we notice it because we work every day with incredible crowds and we just sense, you know, I think to a lot of people, they look at staff on the underground and think, they're not doing anything. They're just like lounging <laughs> around that. But we have a peripheral that, that we learn on this job of, what is right and what is not right as it's happening. And we just pick things up. I mean, your job is extraordinary. There aren't many jobs like it where the expectation is to be there for the very practical everyday stuff, but also for the deeply emotional, life-changing, impactful moments of of everyday life. You know, it's a lot for you both to to take that role on. Yeah, Yeah. and and it's become more like, you know, Jeremy, like having those things go on and like the the messages that we've received over the years. It's like, well, like we was counting them up and like we've received like over a thousand messages, like direct messages from people all over the world just saying, oh, you posted this at the right time. I was about to do this or, you know, you've changed my life for the better and stuff. And like, you know, some people ask us for advice and we're like, look, again, we're not medical. Like it would be irresponsible for us you know it's just but but just reminding people that they're not alone and you know there is help you know it's yeah it's, so that has been humbling you know what i mean it's yeah. like what we don't do on stations we do on our social media exactly. you know and it's and just to use social media for the goods you know what i mean it's like we can use it for the for the goods we know? can we can yeah. i think you know because we've talked about this in in lots of ways on the podcast i guess that social media can get a lot of flack or you know, people point fingers at it being a terrible thing or whatever, but it's kind of a benign entity in itself. It's how we choose to to use it. Exactly. And you guys have chosen to absolutely use it for the, the very best possible methods and to reach as many people as you can and to celebrate brilliant things, but really draw our eye to, to important causes too. And you can use it to like properly connect with people. You really can. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a beautiful yeah. thing. And also, Jeremy, you've been very honest about insomnia, which again, I'm yeah. kindred spirit with you on this one, <laughs> yeah. my love. Again, I slept terribly last night. I got into yeah. bed way later than I would like to normally. I took some melatonin. That took the edge off a bit, but I still didn't go into a proper sleep. And again, it's a very lonely place in the middle of the night when it's dark and you've got no one to talk yeah. to, but you're just lying there. It's horrific. When did your start? How do you deal with it? You know, I can't even. It's so. It's been so long. I think I've. I almost feel like I've always had insomnia. Mm. I'm sure I haven't. But then you know, you hear stories from me. I'm saying you used to get up in the middle of the night and do this and do that. So it might be. Yeah, maybe it's kind of always been bubbling there or something. But I think it became worse. Um, I don't know how many many years ago it was when I got tinnitus. When I when I started to realize, oh, I might have tinnitus. And what happens with that is, and I notice it when I'm particularly exhausted, uh, the tinnitus gets louder, and then. You're trying to combat the tinnitus with your mind because you've got to, because it's the only weapon you've got. And then, of course, your mind is working now more. So when your mind is working more, you're not just going into sleep. You know, I like to be um, like one of those people who can just pretend to sleep and then fall asleep. But, you know. It doesn't work like that always, <laughs> no, does it? doesn't work. So, um, you know, I, I stick uh, headphones in and pop some music on, you know, some soothing kind of music, music that I listen to or sounds, you know, waves or things like that. And that helps. But yeah, insomnia is crazy. I think, I mean, also when I do get sleep, I'm not really getting that REM sleep that I probably should be getting. So I'll be like, I got a whole eight hours last night and I feel like I was up all night. Yeah, that was me um, last night. That I didn't go into that deep bit. Yeah, I think I had that last night because I woke yeah. up this morning and I and I tried to sleep on the on the train here. 
Uh, luckily, I knew it was one that's going to, you know, be a long, long trip. So I thought, you know, I can sleep. Have a little nap. Yeah, yeah, why not? Why not do it? But I can't sleep on train. No, nor can I. Coaches no. or anything like no, that. No, 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 same. It just no. doesn't work. Or in the day. Like, I can't even nap anymore. No, I used to be yeah. so good at it in my 20s. I could sleep anywhere. And I could have a nap anywhere. And I could sleep with any noise going on and now it's like it has to be my bed with my pillow and my eye mask and my <laughs> yeah. earplugs yeah, and the fan nice. on so it's a little distracting noise and it has to be all the same otherwise I'm screwed yeah. it's mad you I don't use know a fan as well yeah 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 I use a fan big time yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean I hate just that nice light hum in the corner uh, yeah ideal. yeah it's just it's sort of like the, the kind of white noise and the, well, I live yeah, on a just... bus route so otherwise at 5.40 on the nose I will yeah. hear <sighs> And I'm like, oh, no. no. So I have to have that on to distract me from that. And I'm also on the Heathrow flight path, so that's also quite fun. Again, five, the first plate. I know all the timings (laughs) of what flight and what bus. So the fan just takes the edge off all that and just gives me a little bit more distraction, I guess, to stay asleep sometimes. But... Again, it's a shitty one, insomnia, and, yeah, it's, and, and loads of people have got it. Yeah, millions and millions of people yeah. are dealing with that. I'm pretty sure if I if I lived in Spain, I'd be the only one awake during the siesta because that's how bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the whole yeah. country would be having a nap and, yeah. and coming back being all strong, and I'd be like, no. Nah, yeah. Ain't working. <laughs> I'm exactly the same. You know? It's mad. But um, I mean, it does help to a degree. I mean, we both work lates only on the underground. That's how that's how the way our shift pattern works. So it kind of helps that when it gets really busy for us on on the late part when event people coming out, 20,000 people coming out of the O2 at like, you know, 11 o'clock at night. We're just waking, I'm just waking up, I don't know about you, but I'm just waking up. I'm like, yeah, this is all right, I can get through this. The early part of the shift, I'm like, oh, I should be in bed already, what's going on, this ain't right. But that part there, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm up for this, yeah, let's, let's do this. Let's do and then I get home and I'm like, yeah, now I need to go to sleep. No, no, let's, let's keep going, let's keep yeah, going. Yeah, because you're just, all buzzed up. Yeah, I just keep going, I was like, oh, Okay, let's start writing some stuff. I feel quite bad saying this. I have no trouble sleeping at all. But some people just don't. Loads of my friends just can... And my husband, he's just like, night. (laughs) And he's gone. And it irritates me. Like, don't fall asleep so quickly. Because now I feel even more of a moron that you're asleep so quickly. And I'm completely not asleep. Yeah, I I do need things going around me, like happening to sleep. You know, like whether it be a podcast, like to to fall asleep to, or the, you know, the fan going off and that. And I've noticed as I've become like more mature or older, I go to the toilet a lot more in the night. So I only generally wake up to go to the toilet. But yeah, I'm I'm good with sleeping. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. It's good that you can support each other in very different ways. Yeah, yeah. When I've got insomnia, I'll send him messages in the middle of the night saying, you're awake, here's here's an idea, let's let's do this. And I'll quickly read it on the way to the toilet and go back to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) That's ideal. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all good. It's so good. (laughs) When you're putting your either this book out or you're you're writing your boards, what is your hope with any particular message? They'll make a difference, I think. You know, yeah. it, it certainly it, it helps us writing it in the first place or putting it out there in the first place. It's like it's got us through something. So we're thinking if it's got us through something, it's going to have to resonate with other people, surely, at least one person out there. And we've written some boards before that just tanked on social media. It's like, well, no one, no one liked that at all. And then you get a DM from someone and said, that literally saved my life right now. Mm. And you're like... That's it's not it's about, about the quantity, is it, no, it's people? It's, it's the it's, it's yeah. the individual impact. Yeah, yeah it's and, totally. And, and, and like as time has gone on, like again with the social media, it's like we don't care how many likes we get, you yeah. know, because if it's liked by the right person, then you've saved a life, you know, yeah, or you've changed a life. So, so we're not bothered about likes anymore, you know. It's, we we just sort of go with what we feel is right at Completely. the time, and then just put it out there. You know? 
You wrote a poem in this new book called Happy Places. Yes. What are your happy places? Well, that was inspired by your good self. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Um, do you want to go with your happy places? Because you've no. got some strange ones, haven't you? I don't know if they're totally legal, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, mean, I hope so. I, I, yeah. You know what? We have all kinds of discussions that go very extreme to very some. Do you know what? I'll but kick off, yeah, because I've got one well, in my head straight away. Cinema straight, because both of them. Yeah, yeah. Both I'm, I'm going to pick cinema. Cinema is a massive oh, fantastic one. because you know you go cinema and you're in another world. You don't have to think about you know life going on outside. You know, especially like if you go to a matinee and stuff like that. You put your phone away. You're not looking at social media. You're not. Uh, your screen time is not being added up and you can just lose yourself in a movie. I will see anything at the cinema. You know, it could be the worst film ever or the best film ever. And just I'm lost. I'm invested yeah. in this life going on. I can forget about, you know, cost of living crisis and bloody this and that and just be lost in it and then come out and think, okay, I'll carry on with my life now. Yeah. Cinema is happy place. It's a good yeah. sort of break, isn't it? A little yeah. breather. Oh, totally. And um, do you know what? Can I... Uh, talk about what I saw the other day. I'm, I'm still not over it, yeah? Right. M Matilda. Oh, my God. Oh, I need to see the new one. Yeah, Matilda the musical, yeah. Is it I, brilliant? Oh, it's fantastic. Because I've it. seen it up the West End, yeah? yeah? same. Obsessed with it, yeah? And, yeah, yeah, I just loved it's it, so yeah? So uh, I was singing along, tapping my feet. We had that. Tim Minchin on the podcast recently. He wrote all the music for it. Of course, yeah. Who we yeah. love. Uh, absolute genius. Genius. He's, yeah, he's, he's genius. genius. Yeah, he's but, so um, funny. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Cinema's a good one. What about you, Jeremy? Uh, I'm going to say Canberra Sands oh, nice. particularly because um, me and my family go there like now almost every year for our, we found it as the place that we go for our summer holidays. Beach is huge. You know, there's things for the kids to dig up. You know, it's so big that they can't run away anywhere fast enough that you can't catch up with them. You know? <laughs> so mm -hmm. you can actually lie back and be like, I'm relaxed. They're running away. No, they're not far enough yet. <laughs> no, now they're far <laughs> enough. <laughs> you go running after them like that. You've got water. You've got everything you know and it's and it's not one of those beaches that's got like loads of you know a pier and loads of lights and noise and all that it's just kind of it's kind of secluded but not and it's just lovely it's got dunes as well and just love it um but beaches in general but i yeah. just have a thing for waves you know not like massive waves i'm not about that but like that just the right level of waves i'm saying i you love get the it sound Heaven. you've got the, the the crashing against the, the the sand but then also as it goes out and the, the noise of the of nature, you know, from the from the birds, the seagulls, as as mad as they are, um, I try not to eat anything that they're going to want to eat oh, as well. They're you brutal, know. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, all of that, love it. And for I the kids, it. it's just amazing. Do Beaches yeah. are amazing places I, for kids. Like, would it, if I gave one of my happy places a plug, they might give me a discount or a free on. holiday. Go yeah, on. is that okay for them? Yeah, it, give it a it's try. A bit cheeky, yeah. <laughs> Let's throw the rule back out the window. Give it oh, a try. Yeah, Where like, do you like, want? So, you want to blag a trip to? Yeah. So, so one of my favourite happy places, if you're listening, is a place called Sunset Beach Club Hotel. Right. And it's in Benamordina, and it's very specific. It, yes, and it is the the sunrises there are magnificent. <laughs> the staff there are fantastic. I'd love a free holiday off you. Yeah. Everything's great there. They got a kids club and all sorts. But uh, and yeah, should, should we sort of throw in? Some, I mean, uh, Jamaica. I'll, I'll yeah, anywhere. Yeah. Barbados. <laughs> got any Maldives? Yeah. Maldives. Yeah, let's Maldives, throw that in there. Any resort. We will happily take a freebie. We're, let's just get what we can out of this so, episode. Just get in there, Sunset Beach Club Hotel, Ben and Medina, if you're offering free holidays. Uh, yeah, Fern Cotton, all on the board and that. Yeah, we're right pound for it. you as well. Yeah. Are we going all together then? Is oh, that yeah, the yeah, Why not? Yeah, why not? Absolutely. Yeah. And, then, and then I'll do a plug because yeah. my missus will tell me off. Home. Home is my happy place. Just oh, going home. Want. 
because you know what? That's mine. We work, we work sometimes all over the network, and I've had to walk two and a half hours to get home, and I'm like, oh, I can't walk. I've just done eight hour shift, can't walk. But then, like, you start visualizing home. You know, my kids sleeping, her at home as well. The dog, he always like jumps up on me when I come in through the door. And um, yeah, I just start visualizing. I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to get home. Get home. Get completely exhausted when I get home, and then stay up for five hours with insomnia. <laughs> but, <laughs> but at least you're home. But I'm home. That's, that's I'm, it. I'm home. I'm home gonna get. It, I'll get it in the ear if I don't say home as well. Yeah, you better yeah. say just, home. Just yes, yeah, so at home uh, with the wife in her arms is my happiest place. <laughs> yeah. uh, You've overegged yeah, it just, now. Yeah, yeah. You've gone too far. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just where the heart is and all that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So anywhere with her is a home. Oh, so. you're such a romantic. Thank you very much. I love it. <laughs> I love it. No, I'm the same. Home is hence my work from home a lot. I just. Can't it's get enough of being home. at home. At this place. I, I just love being here. at home. And with Simon the cat, you've already met. But look, I think what you're doing is fantastic, as you know. And I hope that you'll come back to the festival and do more next year. If we're invited. We, of course you're invited. Right, you come, come every back, yeah. year. Oh, and I love this book, Your Daily Companion. Everyone needs to have this just on their bedside or... <laughs> Just somewhere they can pick it up and pick any random page a day and read little excerpts. In the toilet as well. In the toilet is a great place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we got told by a lady uh, that a little while back. Perfect lube. She goes, I've got me, uh, I've got your book in the toilet. (laughs) And then she goes, I hope I don't offend you, but I've got your book in my toilet. And it's like, no, we're not offended. (laughs) And it's like, does it help you go? Oh, it really helps me go. Keeps it regular. Yeah, so, uh, we was going to put that on the front of the book. It helps you go. You know, <laughs> oh, it's one my of the God. selling points. So. I'm glad that you didn't because no, no, it's, yeah, it's perfect yeah, yeah. as it is. We <laughs> like inspiring words to take from morning to that night will better. Do. That will do. Um, yeah. Ian and Jeremy, thank you so much for being on Happy Place. It's been an absolute joy. Thanks for having thank us and thanks for being you. Man. You're just amazing. Thank you so much. Oh, Jeremy and Ian, thank you so much. I cannot tell you how much gorgeous energy they brought to my little studio at the end of my garden. I was buzzing for ages after they left. Such lovely people. All on the board, your daily companion is out now. And wherever you choose to read it, it will absolutely lift your spirits with all the never-before-seen boards and poems and personal stories from the guys. Someone else, by the way, who had similar advice to Ian about making sure you ask people twice how they really are was Roman Kemp. If you did miss that episode, do scroll back in your feed and have a listen because that was another particularly moving episode. Thank you so, so much again to Ian and Jeremy, to the producer Anushka Tate at Rethink Audio and to you. Make sure you look up from your phone next time you're on a train. I bet you'll feel better for it. Loads of love. I'll speak to you soon. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com